Team Rabbit Hole Edition 137, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth with Merumatu. Join the team as we have the amazing Meru back on and crack the books, specifically a text written by Thoth the Atlantean called the Emerald Tablets. Definitely a deep rabbit hole dive for sure. Welcome. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, dude, it was a great podcast last time. It was so informative and on so many levels. And we had been kind of vaguely discussing uh, the tablets, and I figured we should have an episode on that. Um, but before we kind of jump in, Raphael, am I tripping or did I misnumber the episodes yesterday? Now that I'm looking at this, uh, 11 is um, justice. <laughs> 138. Hey, that makes a big difference. All right, so, uh, yeah. So today's episode is going to be The Hanged Man uh, as the major arcana numerological reduction. I now surrender, thy will be done. This is about surrendering to the unknown, sacrificing your idea of power, allowing the pause to give you perspective, and attainment of the tiger self and enlightenment are within reach. Raphael, what is the Galactic Heritage card? We have uh, number 30 for Zeta Reticuli, Survival Fears, past timeline. In the ancient days of the Zeta Reticuli, their species nearly destroyed themselves due to high planetary toxicity and misuse of technology. When they realized that their species was dying, they experienced the most primal of fears, that of no longer continuing as a species. These survival fears force them to look deeply within and make drastic changes. The same is true in our lives. Often we don't make changes until we can clearly see that our old ways will only destroy us. By then, we have little cha chance of change. What part of your life needs to be changed? Begin the process now, before it becomes too difficult. So, Maru, out of curiosity, between my uh, confused hanged man uh, and his uh, card, what, if anything, resonated? Actually, they both very much applied. The hangman is a lot of uh, the teachings of thought to kind of put your ego aside and become the student who observes your experiences through life. And also with the Zeta Reticuli, it's on point because... Uh, some of you know that I do starseed DNA identifications through the natal chart. And Zeta Reticuli, we just had the sun go over one of those locations. And um, through their race, like basically what it said was all completely true, but they bred out the ability to have consciousness because emotions are what basically start wars and cause struggle and strife. So they did too much genetic engineering and modification and disabled their ability to recreate. And so a lot of people here are Zeta hybrids, so human Zetas, and we're basically giving them consciousness back and they're giving us access to our 12-strand DNA. 
So it's an important project. So it all kind of comes back around because they've ended their ability to procreate and move on and evolve. And so they're having to um, come back into the past and basically fix their timeline. And we're the ones who are doing it. That's what's up. Um, I know Raphael is uh, keenly aware of that kind of um, scenario being uh, elicited by Bashar. Um, and I'm, I'm aware of it, just namely when people like you saying what you just did, but also the Galactic Heritage card. So I'm kind of peripherally aware of that endeavor. Also, when, with the Zeta card, it kind of reminded me, ironically, of a little bit of the Atlantis situation that's kind of talked about in the Emerald Tablets at the beginning, um, where it's like, oh, you guys fucked up with technology, and you, you did the wrong thing in a certain way, and now we got to kind of sit there and hurry up and wait, kind of like uh, the Hangman, and, and kind of reroute a 12 monkey style or something. I can't quite get my head around it. Um, the situation in which we find ourselves uh, the the inheritors of. So I, I am following what you're saying, but also it's newer information for me. So I'm like, Oh, um, so I mean, I guess a good place to start is just to tell you a little about how I turned on to this. It was because of you. I, I mean, in Raphael, um, I don't know if Raphael sent me the text. Cause when I say that, he's like, I never sent that to you. So somebody at some point in, um, probably 2013, 2014, when I started kind of waking up more readily, um, it was, you know, sending me like Blavatsky texts and Manly P. Hall. And I think this was one of the texts that I'd saved as a PDF on my phone, but just never got around to reading back then kind of thing. And when I was in Australia um, back in January or so, I was watching something. I think you shared a post on Facebook um, of it was a YouTube interview between Billy Carson and somebody else. I don't remember the other gentleman off the top of my head. But they were basically talking about how they knew each other from the Sun Pyramid initiations in uh, Teotihuacan, I think, or somewhere like that. And then they started getting off into the Emerald Tablets. And it sounded like one of the more interesting things I'd ever heard. So uh, I got the audio text. Uh, I listened to the audio version while I was at a, a job, basically, in Australia when I was doing security for concerts. Uh, I had my, It was like on a side street. And I was like, well, I got a couple hours to kill. This is three hours. I'll do this. So I listened to it. And it was like... One of those things where I, um, I was immediately struck by it, and just like this psychic reading that connected me with my fiance, um, on the one hand, I was like, if this is fictitious, this is amazing. It's like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or some awesome work that needs to be scoped just for entertainment value, and like it's interesting, no, no matter what. And then if it's fact, fact, it's like this is very important. Um, and so I heard it sober once. And then like, I think a week or two later with the person I was hanging out with my friend M, uh, I made her listen to it and we smoked like a joint or two before listening to it. And we just sat there and meditated during this whole, you know, audio book. And even during it, it's not like I would say it's channeling. That's a hard word for me. Like I wasn't like that, but I was like talking over it, like summing up what he was saying, kind of reading between the lines for myself out loud and her, it was kind of weird. Um, and, but good. I was like doing yoga stretches and having all these like not kundalini activations, but I call them kundalini hiccups <laughs> where I start having like flashes of light and weird shit going on. Um, anyway, so that is largely my awareness that this is due to you. So thank you, first of all, for that. And uh, I don't know how much uh, Raphael has read or heard about it. I want to kind of hear that. But how did you get turned on to this text? Uh, I've always had a connection with Thoth and it just... Um basically appeared in my life one day and I started studying it and I literally haven't stopped since 
for about a good year and a half, at least, if not two. I played it every night while I slept and read it uh, countless times. So every time that you do listen to it and or read it, something new unlocks. And it's just so powerful that it's a game changer. It's a life changer. So anything that you want to basically adjust in your life can absolutely be adjusted by studying this particular text. And even within the text itself, it says something to that effect where it's like, you know, one time is fine, but like 10,000 times is not enough. Or I don't know the exact quote, but I remember hearing that at some point and being like, whoa, like this is talking about a um, kind of a exponential factor to it where it's like if you you know keep revisiting this and you will kind of dig deeper um i guess that's true of kind of any text in a way but this seems to like you're like you say like the first time i heard it was impressive in a certain way the second time i heard it it was like illuminating and like i gave my friend a hug we were like this is the shit like i was totally getting hard on to like the um be a light on the way kind of thing and just like some of the themes were sticking more readily and resonating more deeply and then like i told you earlier in the green room i was listening to it today and reading it simultaneously i got to about chapter four and uh i've just been stressed and kind of doing too many readings and i was like all right i'm just gonna listen to it i don't have to read it at the same time and i closed my eyes and i opened them and it was like two hours later and it's like chapter 12 so i i subliminally uploaded it i guess but i still want to keep checking it out and revisiting it because i do think that uh it's one of those things that um well, it's fascinating just at any level, whether it's fiction or fact, like, because people might be like, oh, this is just whatever. And I'm like, well, even if it's just whatever, it's like Lord of the Rings, like that's not fit, true. And that's very impactful. So I don't really need to get into the veracity of it technically right now. But um, no matter how one cuts the uh, cake, it's very uh, impactful. We'll just say that it's highly resonant and dense um, mystical material compared to a lot of the other stuff I've read. Raphael, kind of what's your uh, awareness of the text? Well, I knew it existed, uh, that it was available as an audio I discovered recently, so I just listened to it. However, <clears throat> as far as I can understand, a lot of the information that is uh, in there is actually relayed by quite a few channels and books and so on. So to anyone who's kind of has studied these things, at least to me, it appears that it is not probably the Emerald Tablets are the least redundant because they may be one of the more original texts, but it's, uh, let's say, recurring themes. So what would some of those other texts be? Like, I'm thinking hermetic texts in general, um, maybe the law of one raw channel material, like what were you th alluding to? Yeah, law of one uh, by Ra, Bashar, also uh, the Kebalion by three initiates, and... Uh, Probably also, although I haven't really seen all of them back then, like the spirit science videos and so on and so forth. So it seems like a lot of this information is, you know, kind of conflated or dissected in many, I guess one would say, derivative works. And it's funny because I'm pretty sure some famous people like Isaac Newton messed with this uh, text and some of the stuff out of it. Um, so it's been around for a bit. Um, but let's start uh kind of going through it i guess it's divided into a few chapters i think 12 chapters if i'm not mistaken it's correct me where i'm wrong 13 Maybe. main chapters and there's uh two compendiums that were released i think in the 70s so yeah this is written in entrainment so basically what it does is it links your spiritual with your intellectual and your material 
which is the physical body. And basically what it does is it releases more information. So the light of the knowledge is brought to the person who's reading it through new energy fields and new thought. And so its main message is to read and be wise, but only if the light of your own consciousness awakens the deep-seated understanding, which is inherent in the quality of the soul. So it's to say that if your soul is not of a high enough vibration, you'll not, you won't understand it. That's interesting that within the text itself, it kind of has like a, uh, you must be this tall to ride kind of inherited quality to it. Um, and yeah, I'm looking at this right now. It does say 14 and 15 supplementals. Um, what is the nature of those supplementals? I'm not sure if I heard them or not. Those are the most powerful ones because they contain the after information. So once you've gone through the tablets and you've assimilated all of that, basically the last two tablets let you know that once you are done with your mission here on earth, that you can choose to actually leave the body. And that's how you're supposed to pass on. That's how Thoth himself, he's an immortal and he has reincarnated three different times. So he's known as Hermes Trismegistus, and he is the one that also wrote the Hermetic Laws and all of that. Um, the Kabbalion is all written by Thoth in different form. Um, but each of the times that he has reincarnated, it's been by his own choice. And so these are the keys to releasing yourself from the body so that you don't actually die. You basically just move into another experience. That's what's up. And that's something actually that um, I've had an astral projection before when I was in high school. And this reminded me a little of like at levels. I'm glad you said that. I mean, it seemed like a uh, kind of a how to do that. It seems like getting out of the body and going with the stars and knowing you're a son and all this kind of language. Um, but we can kind of go, I guess, book uh, tablet through tablet. The first one is it's about the history of Thoth. The Atlantean is what he calls himself. And, um, it's, it's talking, I mean, I don't, maybe you're better to, to talk about this um, if you want, but like it's basically kind of yeah. saying, oh, I'll be quiet, you want to talk? <laughs> yeah, uh, the tablet one is about how they left Atlantis as it was sinking and basically rose above it in their ship and went to ancient Chem, which is, or Chem, which is ancient Egypt, and they went to the land of the hairy barbarians where basically they were told to start again. And so once you read the tablets, you really understand where more of the biblical translations came from. They all came from this text. It's about 36,000 years old. And the thing about it, it is that it's written on um, alchemically processed tablets, which are emerald green. And there is no elemental component in Earth's atmosphere that basically connects to these, so we don't know what they're made of, actually. And so these are etched in stone, basically, so it's like this can't be changed, and this is from the original teachings. And so as Atlantis sank, they rose in their ship, they went to Chem, and uh, Thoth gets off of his ship, and there's a lot of different people there that have no idea what's going on, and he just smashes his magical staff, which is Kind of like a ray beam and it works with different frequencies vibrations and he was able to turn all of the men into stone and he let them know that he was there to basically lead them 
And so once he turned them back into human form, they all just kind of bowed and grappled at his feet. And so what he's saying in this first text is that he is actually getting ready to go into the halls of Amente and go into um, his slumber because for every thousand years that they walk the land, they have to be in regeneration process for a hundred years. And when they're in that regeneration process, they are basically taking avatar bodies, which would be like the body of you or I. And those who match Thoth's frequency the most that achieve his mission and that work on his level, those are the ones that are going to basically be inhabited by Thoth. And the ultimate purpose is to become the teacher of men. So this is where he's getting ready to go in and where he's leaving his final words behind. Right, yeah. I, I think some of the stuff before having to flee from Atlantis was interesting, where it seemed like he's like, I kind of woke up in this incarnation, this particular incarnation back in the day, like however long ago it was saying, and um, kind of started initiating into a way, and it mentions the dweller, and like this flame, he's kind of like learning, you know, kind of like Luke Skywalker, almost learning the force, learning the force, gets to a mastership place, I guess, with it. And then at that point, um, it goes into, I guess, Atlantis uh, and some people being woke there, but like kind of quickly falling away from the light, like kind of just tinkering with things they shouldn't play with or whatever. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, he doesn't mention a whole lot about Atlantis. He just it's like a drive by. It's not like a long chapter on it. It's, but I thought right. I thought it was really informative for what it did say. I was like, oh shit! It seemed like they were doing a lot, quite a bit, and then like there was kind of a schism in the consciousness, and then that's why Atlantis fell, and he kind of did the uh, you know long boat off of the Titanic version. It's like, all right, this is sinking. We got to go. But I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No worries. Yeah, I mean he mentions that they are basically in the great city of Kior on the island of Vindal, and that's where basically he has lived for a really long time and began that particular incarnation, which he has done, um, I think he says 10 times, or 100, 100 times 10. So <laughs> that's like 100,000 years that he was in this particular incarnation on Atlantis and before it fell. So that's an extremely long period of time. Right, and it's uh, what is your impression? Maybe we can get into it later because if it recapitulates it later about the dweller, I know the hounds is kind of a section and all that stuff. But what in your mind was the dweller? It seemed like something like the force meets like a deity creator thing. I wasn't really sure how to get my head around it, but it was like he came into a certain relationship with this thing, and then basically it seemed like it got initiated to a point where he had a mission, and that's gonna like go teach these kind of. Um, you know, hairy barbarians, they're going to throw sticks and stones at you and spears and shit. Like, go wake them up and, like, start this 2.0 process. Right. Yeah, the dweller of Unal is basically a king. And it is the ultimate king, basically, the one that hands out the missions for everybody. And it is a very interesting energy because it is a cloaked black cloaked energy that seems very much like Osiris. And if you study ancient Egyptian text, uh, Thoth and Osiris were basically the ones that were very well noted. I mean, Osiris was the one that basically after you were passed judgment on through weighing your heart on the scales of Ma'at, how to use a stone or light as a feather, 
then Osiris would basically say that you're going to the higher planes or you're going into the underworld. And everything that's depicted about the dweller is of the underworld. Right. So basically, um, those, those in this first chapter is kind of talking about children of light that are dwelling among them and how there's kind of ontological differentiations between humans, like children of men more, and then children of light seem to be more like, I don't want to say aliens straight out, but it seems at least more like spiritual beings, right? Um, and that basically... Uh, he goes on into another tablet called the Spaceborn. Right, so, right. yes, they are extraterrestrials. Um, because there is, what he's saying is, on Atlantis, there was many, many people who just lived and died. And so they had human incarnations, basically. And they are the children of the sun, so they come like sun god type of energy, like Ra. And um, they are the immortals. That's what's up, yeah. Um, it's like, I'm... I'm kind of going sequentially, but yeah, I know it does a little better job in certain other chapters kind of going more further into that. Um, even that space one was kind of, it seemed like talking about astral projection at some level, but we'll get to that in a second. So basically Toth is talking about the degeneration of the hearts of the Atlanteans that leads to their downfall and this great cataclysm, which kind of fucks their whole situation up. Um, only the temple of light on uh, Undal, like you're saying, is atop this mountain. And that's with a couple survivors is what, uh, what are saved. But even that sinks kind of beneath the waves of this huge uh, deluge type situation. Um, and it emerged uh, and they're told like, it'll emerge again from the waves, like in a future time, kind of like a prophecy, almost something like that. Um, but basically Thoth gets on uh, his ship of the master is what he calls it. Um, and rises above that kind of temple, almost kind of like an escape submarine. Right. And when he gets to Egypt, uh, those people um, and commit, like you're saying, the ancient one, like kind of, locals in a sense they try to fuck him up and destroy him and like you were saying he paralyzes him with kind of a vibratory ray on his staff um and then they kind of worship him because they're like uh i mean obviously this is um i think uh, i forget who said it but it's like any technology that we don't know how it works is like considered magic even though this is i think considered a like a master of magic it's obviously some like technological kind of apparatus at some to some level that has an effect on people that submits them basically and then that's basically the first chapter it's like they did this and that's how i got here so um is there anything about the first chapter that i'm leaving out he talks about how he built the great pyramid and that's that kind of important actually good call it is yeah that he uses a technology that basically overcomes earth force which is gravity and so he's able to use this technology in order to build the great pyramid and he built it in three days and he puts his ship underneath, um, inside the halls of Amente, which is basically thought to be underneath the Sphinx. Right, and in some of the um, texts talking about like how it's kind of almost a, uh, a hyper-sigil is not probably the right word, but it's like the pyramid itself is acting as an encoding device of a lot of the information he was entrusted with to spread. So it's kind of like a living codex in that sense. Um, I'm not sure if I'm conflating myths, but was this the situation where he did it from like his mind? And like shaped it from like a, I don't even know, maybe I'm conflating these things. I think Raphael, we had discussed this before, right? Guess what? The origin of the the Great Pyramid being something that was like fashioned psychically, essentially, and coming from maybe like assembled in a very different way. Maybe I'm conflating a different episode we had in this mythos, but... Um, we have at least two variants. We have one by uh, David who kind of says, and there is quite some proof of it that... Um, 
a lot of the so-called monuments in Egypt actually have been very recently constructed. In his case, as far as I understand, he would even include the Great Pyramid of Giza. Uh, Law of One, on the other hand, states that the Great Pyramid of Giza was manifested to the great surprise of the Egyptian people, basically directly out of a short form, and also, I believe, manifested from top to bottom. And supposedly, I mean, I'd really, you know, basically have to go there and really check it out to be sure, but supposedly it's built in a way with uh, stones and in a way so huge that, you know, at least for normal humans, it's not feasible. However, at least Ra says that they deliberately kind of cut the corners into the perfectly manifested stone to allow for the law of confusion and the free will of one's own belief system to believe or not believe that this was a supernatural occurrence. Again, I haven't been there, really can't say, I've only been to the pyramids in Bosnia. Right, and the guy named David he was referring to is, um, we had a guy named on named Andreas, and he brought up, uh, David, his friend on, who's kind of into um, Tartaria history. I think his family even worked with, um, I'm forgetting the company now, but like an original like Dutch trading company, Dutch East India company. And he was saying something to the effect, and I did, it didn't really sit well with me because on DMT I've had a Kundalini initiation slash activation with Egyptians, so I feel like it's something more than just something constructed recently for whatever reasons. But he was kind of saying, like, it's not what we think it is. Well, it definitely isn't what we think it is. And here we don't need to get stuck now on whether the Great Pyramids are not. It just seems there is good evidence, you know, as with so many things, that at least some of these monuments have been recently constructed, actually. I mean, I heard this from others as well. With the Great Pyramid specifically, I'm not sure. Um, Meru, maybe you've been there. You can give your individual estimation. Um, yeah, I'm not too invested in any of these stories, so I'd be fine with any outcome. I haven't been there personally, but what he talks about in the tablets is that he used his magic science. So basically the staff and also he talks about in later chapters how he learned to build worlds manifested from thought form. So it's kind of a combination of the two of knowing how to use the ray of his magical staff and also to be empowered completely of thought form. And that's one of the main teachings of the tablets is how to um, absolutely manifest from pure thought. And so at the end of this tablet one, he says, now I depart from ye, know my commandments, keep them and be them, and I will be with you, helping and guiding you onto the light. And now before me opens the portal, I go down into the darkness of night. So he's literally saying in the first tablet that if you become him, he will be with you. And this is your mission to now learn this information so that you too can use magic science. And there's also kind of a... Uh, uh, kind of don't fuck with the text and you know a curse upon you if you mess with this don't it, it even says like don't tell to the northern people and the southern people i didn't know if that meant europeans or what um do you have any opinion on what that might have been it was kind of a clause where it's like hey take this seriously i'm blessing you i'm going to the hall of mentees now which is very hanged man by the way it's like yo i gotta go regenerate for a minute i've done some work for a hot minute now i gotta go um but it also kind of had this caveat where it seemed like anybody who doesn't take this shit seriously like you're going to be judged for it pretty hardcore Absolutely. In all of Thoth's teachings, he always starts with the fact that you cannot cast pearls before swine, and that if you use his knowledge for negative purposes, that he will cast you down from however high you think your platform might be. 
And so no matter where you are or who you are, you have to use this information with extreme discernment and not share it with the ignorant and not share it with those who would abuse it. Of course, I decided to do a podcast on it. Hopefully, I won't get judged too harshly for this. I'm like, hey, Swad, come on up. I uh, had to think a lot about that before sharing uh, any of the animal tablets on my particular platform on Sun Soul Astrology on YouTube. But it's one of those things that this is going to call out to those who are encoded with the light, and it will already be protected and shielded from all those who are not meant to share it. So it's an interesting thing how this light passes through whenever you really work with them and i work with them heavy and so i've already put up all my protections that Thoth has educated me on throughout time to make sure that this only hits the right people dang i'll have to say a prayer at the end of this <laughs> or something i didn't do those protections Thoth, please don't hate me um so i guess one thing that struck me in the first tablet it was not funny but interesting it was see it sounded like uh wisdom and knowledge were something that thoth was very much trying to get like that was the pursuit like he's like i didn't really care about other shit i was worried about like knowing and knowing in the right way like wisdom right um what are your two cents on that kind of perspective of the situation because later on he's talking about like uh in like two three four of those kind of um tablets it's more like hey if you're wise being wise does you know be cool with that don't be haughty with wisdom or knowledge don't think you're better than other people but there was kind of a paradox in my mind because in the first thing it's like I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the very best kind of like knowledge gaining was his thing like he was pursuing the highest degrees of awareness that he was allowed to or you know able to get um, if you kind of see what I'm saying so just what's your impression of the pursuit of knowledge and how to make that you know wisdom versus just factoids or whatever absolutely thought is the god of all knowledge. He created astronomy and astrology, the written word. There's nothing that is in this existence that Thoth didn't actually bring to us. So he was the knower of everything, and that's his entire message throughout, is that wisdom is the highest commodity, time and wisdom. And through time, you gain wisdom. So the pursuit of the soul is always to grow and to know. And so those who are seekers are the ones who will find, and those who are not are obviously the ones that he talks about that are not worthy of this information. So he says that you grow through intellect, and it's not just any old intellect. It's not what we in this modern-day society consider to be intellectual, you know, have a doctorate or a PhD or whatever, and study um, modern-day books that have been distorted. He talks about the pursuit of the intellect of the soul. So he does go into the out-of-body experiences and does teach you um, the mathematics of, of not getting trapped. Because in the second tablet, he talks about how the children of men are basically bonded to the earth. So the children of light and the children of the sun are basically here to unlock their... It's like a rescue mission. Kind of. Exactly, exactly. It's been a long mission. Right. And uh, it's funny because the first, when you were talking about intellectual stuff, I thought of that uh, Mormon guy, Ken, who was killing it on Jeopardy a couple of years ago, maybe like a decade ago. I don't even remember now, but it's like, yeah, Jeopardy's cool, but that's not really where it's at ultimately, folks. So I guess that's a good transition into the second tablet, The Halls of Amenti. Um, basically, at this point, he's co he's doing a passage about uh, The Hall of Amenti, which is considered to be the underworld uh, beneath the sunken islands of Atlantis. 
and uh, it's also somehow beneath the Great Pyramid. I'm not really sure. How, do you know what I'm talking? Like, how does that drive um, kind of set me in the right the context? The halls of Amenti are actually in in Egypt, so it's near the uh, sunken island of Atlantis in the halls of the dead. So that's where I think the confusion is, is because we're not exactly sure where Atlantis ever was, right? But it does state here that it is deep in the heart of the halls of Amente, um, far beneath the islands of sunken Atlantis and the halls of the dead. So it's close, is basically what it's saying. They didn't have to travel that far. Right. So um, another thing that is kind of getting into this chapter is basically he creates, uh, on top of the apex of this um pyramid on the summit of the pyramid he puts a crystal that draws force out of the ether so once again um magic at least but like technology maybe that we're not used to or have forgotten about or maybe never knew about and i guess the um children of light are sleeping in amente right beneath this situation um beneath atlantis beneath the pyramid however uh one gets their head around that um and every now and then they incarnate to teach people and guide them right like the kind of um i'm not sure if that's alluding to like buddhas and jesus and stuff like that well, Thoth is thought to have been Buddha and Jesus and Krishna and pretty much everybody who was uh, the greatest teachers of all time. So the children of light are many. They're of the world, right? So they're the ones that came from basically outer space and came here to work in releasing the bondage of those who were incarnated here in the first place. So Is that different than a star seed in your mind? Kind of and not really at this, it, all at the same time. It is a star seed, absolutely. It would be a modern translation, but they are the ones that have full knowledge, right? So they. It's almost like Galadriel or something. <laughs> right, because before Thoth's incarnation as Thoth the Atlantean, he was uh, named Sheeta from Nibiru. So basically, that's where he first was born and rose in his awareness, where he was considered to more or less be. A man and through his pursuit of wisdom and knowledge gave him the ability to rise up into a godlike form and become immortal because he trained himself to become immortal he wasn't born immortal if that makes sense and so totally. yeah what he's saying is that for every thousand years however long that is for the individual that's when they have to go into the halls of Amente and regenerate so that's where he's at. He's in his own personal. There are other um, beings that are there regenerating at the same time as him, but it's not to say all of them are under there at the same time. Some of them are walking amongst us now while others are resting. Gotcha. So it's kind of like the waiting room and doesn't mean it was full to capacity, but that's he was describing his experience of the hurry up and wait process that included others, but didn't include necessarily all others. Right. And so while in there, they can basically astral project their consciousness into the avatar bodies, which are us. That's a fascinating, I mean, I know a popular meme um, in more recent years was like the NPC kind of idea, which like non-player, um, kind of almost Agent Smith kind of, some people aren't people and they can be, you know, possessed or whatever. That's kind of alluding to that fact at some level where it's like we can have other entities is like a word, I guess, or other personalities or beings kind of, if we're on the same vibe as them, integrate into our avatar in such a way that we become 
uh, vessels. I mean, a dark kind of humorous version of this might be um, in Ghostbusters is coming to mind with uh, Rick Moranis and the key maker and all that stuff. Um, what is your interpretation? I mean, possession is like a strong word and has a lot of connotations. How do you look at this animation process from the Hall of Manti? I don't look at it as a possession whatsoever because you cannot be inhabited by one of these beings unless you are basically them. You, you, you are encoded with their works. You've studied their teachings. You've opened up yourself to be such a, a vessel. And so for myself in particular, that's why I work with the tablets. My mission is the mission of thought. Like I signed up for the exact same thing here on this planet. So as soon as the tablets came into my awareness, it was a soul recognition and an awareness that this is what I have to do. This is basically the entire map of how I accomplish my mission and then how I leave when I'm, when I'm ready. And so this is kind of like a life's work, but he does specifically say like in quotes, we are they who are formed from the space desk, partaking of life from the infinite all, living in the world as children of men, like and yet unlike the children of men. And so for myself as a walk-in, I am like yet unlike the children of men. I'm not born here. I left my incarnation of where I was on Sirius B and stepped into this body. So it's like a complete understanding of what he's talking about. And I'm the type of soul that has not actually passed through a full death experience. I transition as what he's talking about here. So um, my name is Maru Matu, and Matu is the modern-day translation of Ma'at, and Ma'at is Thoth's wife. And so I have ancient memories of living many lifetimes with thought. And so this is like a sort of second nature for myself. And it is one of those things that's led me to do the Starseed PDFs and things like that to enlighten people that they really do come from the stars. They are the space born. And at different times, we did come here through different forms of technology, but due to the certain state of the world today, we have to do it through incarnating into these bodies that have been trapped for millennia on planet Earth because there there is that regeneration of souls that needs to be broken because this is a battle between light and dark that has gone on for eon to eon to eon. And he states this 36,000 years ago. And so in our conscious mind, we think that why is the world this way? Thoth lets us know the world has never not been this way. There's always, there's the duality. He's, he wrote the Hermetic, seven Hermetic laws. This universe is based on duality. So it's kind of like a side note, but there's the infinite all, the oneness creation that we're all a living spark of and that we shall all return to. That's the ultimate goal. But we can't cancel out duality. Within duality is oneness. But that is because duality is the one. So there's a lot of interesting stuff wrapped up into that. For sure. It's the kind of paradox of uh, all is one, but all is differentiated simultaneously kind of stuff. I talk with Raphael about this a lot because I think there's different like tiers essentially of dilation to that fact. Like I, I do feel that at some level we're like, you know, if we weren't meant to be individuals with an individual awareness and experience, it wouldn't be happening. So we've fallen into this kind of an agnostic Sophia falls into, you know, 
creation kind of myth vibe thing. Um, but at the same time, there's a remembrance of the unity and that's kind of the, what awakening like Buddha means awake. I think that's what the awakening kind of has to do with where it's like, yes, I'm an individual, but I'm a part of a greater whole simultaneously. It's like a both and it's not necessarily an either or. So it really, really is. Yeah, I mean, it also speaks about the you know gender universe is gender masculine and feminine so at the end of the day everything is about the balance of the dualistic properties that come into unification having just binged all the star wars movies on disney plus uh because i thought we were going to do a podcast on that we still will um but i watched every you know nine episodes plus the two kind of uh, rogue one and solo um that is really well elucidated in in i guess it's the last jedi um, where Ray's on the island, um, and I guess uh, some Irish island or Scottish island, and um, she's starting to see like that. You know, everything is feeding itself. Like the, it is this process of duality that is itself. Like that's what the force is. I guess in a weird way, it's the process of both encapsulated, and it's kind of this toroidal flux, if you want to put it that way, between poles. And uh, yeah, the Hermetic text does get into um, the seven things. One of them is like, yeah, there's gender, uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean like you know. Ken and Barbie gender, but this is talking more about masculine polarity and feminine polarities. And it seems that they are inherent to the fabric and the wolf at some level of the Tao, which I think is as a double Gemini, I'm way okay with clearly. Right. I mean, that's absolute because it is the force and absolutely through the inner tablets, you learn how to use the force and just like, Luke used it for the light and Darth Vader used it for the darkness. It's, it's your choice. It's your free will, how you're going to use this. And, you know, as he descends into the halls of Amente and into the darkness, basically, which sounds horrifying, by the way, it's like darker than night. This is like, it's kind of like Ray in the cave, which is like this, or, you know, Luke's cave. Like it's serious. Like, I don't know. I kind of want to get not to interrupt you. What, what do you think that darkness represents like death itself or, the darkness to me represents your your faith. It's an initiation process that within the darkness is found the light because once he gets there, basically they're side by side placed um, the life of light. It's it's basically the flower of life that admits this energy in the halls of Amente that gives the eternal um, light back to the person. And so there's basically three main bodies that sit in their thrones down there and they emanate this infinite light source from them. So it's just like doing shadow work. It's having to face your fears, having to face the shadow, having to go through the process of descendance in order to rise once again. Right. And once those kind of goes through that process, he kind of, uh, gets initiated into a situation where death can't touch him anymore, right? He's free from the bondage of that. Um, and he gets to choose to live as long as he wants and he can choose when he has his death. Uh, it's like at his hand, it's kind of saying so that he can be a uh, kind of a guide for people on how to escape. Do you look at it almost as like a, a Buddhist escape from the, the wheel of samsara or how do you look at, I mean, I don't want to overlayer too much other stuff onto it, but, is it a mastership over death or is it just like a, an escape from the wheel or how do you look at that? It's a mastership over death. Absolutely. Because as he states with your conscious will, you are meant to come here for a reason. You're meant to do your mission and you're meant to move on. 
and continue the process. You're not meant to basically get caught up in all of the human processes and basically trapped and bonded to the earth once again, where you recycle back on earth in the third dimension and do it all over again. And if you decide to do that, that it needs to be your own free will that makes that decision versus being subject to the laws of um, 3D space. The idea that kind of came to mind is trolling the chocolate factory. I don't know why this just came to my mind, but it's like getting the golden ticket to the fucking point. And there's this like winnowing process. People are attached to various things, whether it's like Verkusalt wanting things now and being greedy or Gustav's glue falling into the fucking chocolate river or whatever. Um, like there's this bondedness to the 3D in that sense. Like they kind of get distracted from the mission and the mission was to get to the end and inherit the chocolate factory or whatever. Um, so it kind of reminded me that I don't know why I'm saying this, but there it is. So is there anything else in chapter two that we didn't really address? I thought one thing, I don't know if it was one or two, but it was kind of talking about like kind of seeing the whole totality of like very shadowy light beings as well as like full on light beings, all kind of participating in a, in a dance, like the stars itself. So it's like, it's all one kind of terrarium of experience that's got degrees of polarity within it but we're all in this one thing experiencing it right you know you know what i'm kind of talking about yeah i mean absolutely because he talks about how he free flows through the bodies of men so even though he's down there in the halls he's still free and that's the main message for us is that we are free and we need to know that our spirits are free and they're eternal so what are we going to do with that Right? What are we going to create our destiny out of? How are we going to guide and how are we going to direct and how are we going to bring the teachings and set ourselves free from the judgment of weight, which is gravity? So Gerald Clark was a great mentor of mine and he just passed away since the last time that we spoke. And um, he created something called the Gravity Body Institute, where out of these texts, he was able to teach people how to free themselves of the gravity field. And it's an amazing process. I would recommend it to anybody who wants to work with the body and do more of like myofascial tissue release. But how to restructure your form so that you're not compressed by this gravity, because the compression of the gravity is what's weighing us down and trapping us and bonding us. And so in order to become that free flow energy, we have to learn how to manipulate it and work within and outside of it at the same time to become multidimensional. So just uh, to repeat again, I think it was GBI. What was the um, kind of institute called? Gravity Body Institute. Quite on. And uh, sorry about your friend's passing. Um, I know that's never fun obviously so uh in some way i feel like you're kind of mm, situated spiritually to not like freak out about it but at the same time it's not you know it's it, grief sucks so i'm sorry for you um in what sense what you were kind of saying reminded me of the 90s band fighting gravity i don't remember if you know that band but i don't even remember what the song they had was but that's kind of it sounds like what one of these things that this uh tablet's getting at is like we're fighting gravity essentially and maybe entropy Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, that's the main thing. And uh, GeraldClark77.com is where you could partake in that class. And SunSoul is a discount code for anyone out there who wants 10% off of any of his products. He makes the monoatomic gold. It's called Starfire Gold, the Elixir of the Gods. 
and it is you know essentially why they all came here so that's another story in and of itself but for anyone who wants to take part that's available to you right on sun soul for 10 percent off i'll definitely take, check that out last time we talked we had talked a little about monatomic gold and since then i i've been using it as well as colloidal silver but um like we were discussing in the green room i don't know if it's the same quality or whatever so when i kind of run out of this i'll switch that for sure and use that code thanks for that so um is there anything left in chapter two that we should talk about or truck on to tablet three we could go into tablet three because basically he's just sort of repeating himself through this process of really trying to just make it clear that there are those that are from beyond and then there are those that are here on earth and that this is a choice for the children of light to be here and to um, work with those who have actually been incarnated to set your soul free. So say if you are someone who has been um, for instance, if you've had past life regressions and you go back to the Renaissance age or to the days of the Vikings and things like that, and you know you've been incarnated on Earth multiple times, this is definitely the work that you would want to engage with so that you do not have that experience anymore because you've obviously been trapped on Earth. And so this is for those to really free themselves and to gain the awareness that this isn't necessarily how it's meant to be. Your soul is meant to evolve past this particular space time. And that's the main repetitive message through this whole process. And that only through the darkness will you achieve the ascension of light. It's interesting because I think one of the things that's stressing is like, this is a school and you don't want to go to summer school. Like, I guess what you're kind of saying is like, you'll get held back, repeat the fucking grade if you Absolutely. don't do it right. Yeah, Thoth is very dead ass, for lack of a better term. He is very serious and he is not playing games in any way, shape or form. So that's why it's like, if you use this knowledge and you abuse it, he will put the smack down on your soul. And he's talking about your soul. Like, no games being played. And it is interesting, because when I did smoke DMT back in 2011 for the first time in Scorpio season, um, basically I went, I don't know if it was the Hall of Mott or a mentee or what, but it felt subterranean for sure. And I'm pretty sure I met Thoth and Mott and had a Kundalini activation. So I think I'm connected to this text. And that's why when I heard it and stuff, it felt like it was, I mean, I... I hope I'm not a swine. Let's just put it that way. But um, it's funny because it does feel like it's uncoding things, but it does have certain kind of um, ontological presuppositions that I was way more okay with as a Christian. Um, and actually in talking with Rafa, I'm still kind of a Christian, but the um, stuff like, you know, uh, even in a Buddhist sense, like this is kind of not, you know, don't get too attached to this place. It's cool, but it's almost like um, black iron prison filled K dick kind of stuff or um, Gnostic kind of stuff. And Raphael, for better or worse, has been one of the people who have been kind of massaging me into like enjoy the ride while you're here. Raphael, what are your kind of two cents on what we're talking about, like um, enjoying the playground versus like getting caught in a, a loop, so to speak, however enjoyable it might be? Well, at least me individually, whether we then call it Thoth or whatever else, and I'm a big fan, you know, especially of Thoth and Ganesh and this kind of, you know, Krishna and so on. Me individually, I'm not really subscribing to the idea of individuals kind of getting caught here, although I know this has been recycled, to use the term, 
also in anthroposophy, anthroposophy, anthroposophy uh, with uh, Rudolf Steiner and the Arimanic forces and there's even many other derivative theories that also talk about the recyclement up to the disintegration of a soul. How I would see it honestly is that already each, which is also kind of described in the text, each soul is a divine spark and you cannot really take a wrong path or anything. And uh, also in my perspective, you can't even really be stuck here. However, of course, there may very well be a perspective where you have the experience of having, let's say, 1,000 or a million uh, consecutive incarnations, also potentially because, number one, you made the choice, and number two, you remain within a certain limited frequency bandwidth, which then, within that perspective, would quote-unquote prevent you from leaving Earth. So I can very much jive with that. However, me personally, or me myself, uh, I don't see it <clears throat> as dramatic for myself. Again, doesn't mean that it's not, uh, doesn't have validity and also doesn't mean that I don't really very much appreciate and resonate with the style and the perspectives that he's putting forth, including, of course, the idea of uh, physical immortality, but even more importantly, I guess, the ideas about the true nature of uh, each entity and the soul <clears throat> and the capacity of the soul. And also, I very much like that it comes across quite clearly within the text that he's very strongly and clearly a right-hand path, uh, positively polarized, which at least in this life uh, or in this incarnation also is uh, my choice. So, um, yeah, I, I can see different perspectives on it. And I would say it is as dramatic as you want want to see it in a sense. However, the dramaticism may also encourage some to kind of, you know, really take heed. Again, in my perspective, not that you could really lose anything or go wrong, but to those who kind of want like, you know, this kind of real straight edge from my perspective, I guess it's a, it's a great source of inspiration and uh, likely even, you know, methods and information and knowledge, again, to those that want to follow the right-hand path. Right, yeah, he actually says that... Um... Keep thou not silent, for when evil is spoken for thought, like the sunlight shines above all. He who oversteps the law shall be punished, for only thou law, through law, comes the freedom of men. And do not fear, for fear is the bondage, and basically what binds you to the darkness of men. So, yeah, he is very straight edge, and it's the laws of the universe, and that's Sometimes what, you know, I get into debates with people along these lines is that we can think whatever we want to think. At the end of the day, we are in a particular universe with a particular set of laws of physics. And these laws are the unspoken laws of creator. And so there are certain teachers that have come from that place of creation to bring these messages. So it is our free will to either um basically follow that or to not follow that and, and yes as we see in the world today everything is to create fear so this is to entrap and that's where sometimes whenever we follow too much of the light and love path in my personal opinion 
we do ourselves a bit of disservice because we underestimate the darkness and we underestimate those who understand the darkness and how to use its power and how to spell cast. So part of our work is to do work with both sides and to not um, give power nor take power away from each of those opposites, which essentially are the same thing, right? Yes, I could not agree more. And uh, we all actually had this discussion. Anyone interested, check out the last few podcasts. We've been talking about this idea, like, how far do you want to go down the apparently, you know, negative rabbit hole or, or really investigate fearful scenarios? Also talking about, you know, Sun Tzu or whatever Bible quotes in terms of uh, know thine enemy. What I'd like to do at this point is just read a short uh, Steiner quote that directly relates Uh, to this idea. So it says, I have already pointed out a number of times that people are, in a way, inattentive. They do not like looking closely at what is going on. Many of those who work with certain occult connections in order to bring something about in the world make use of this fact. Those of us who see the world, not in the usual way, but with free and open eyes, will know that there are people who can be influenced by those who want to make use of such means. Someone who is intent on influencing people, someone who, as an occultist, is not entirely scrupulous, can indeed gain power over people in this way. Right, which is kind of the whole you know, nefarious Illuminati, whatever kind of rabbit hole, where it's like, oh, there's people out there manipulating forces uh whether it's telemic or whatever uh and causing results in reality that maybe are more quote left-hand path and for binging star wars it really uh, a scene in return of the jedi came to mind because like luke is pretty self-sure he's gone through the cave he's he's a master jedi now he's initiated or whatever and he goes up to the dust i mean one of yoda's fucking last words is like don't underestimate the power of the dark side like he's like, don't trip. Like it's not all love and light, bro. Like you haven't mastered this yet. And he goes up to the um, Death Star where the Senator Palpatine or Emperor or whatever, and Darth Vader are up there, and they're trying to convert him, and he's not going to. And the way in which, like, he basically shows him, like, look, there's all your friends dying out there. I actually, we know they're on Endor, kind of trying to shut down the Death Star thing. Like all, the, like he's appealing to like futility and like hopelessness, and kind of like, I got you, no matter what. And then he's even saying things like, I don't have a lightsaber. Come strike me down. I can feel your hate. Like he's, he's baiting him. Right. So I think there is a, there's a lot more, um, not more power, but there's a lot more seduction of the dark and, um, manipulation that occurs. And I think one of the scarier, I guess maybe isn't the right word, but one of the more heavy kind of concepts is, um, that I think sometimes, and I'm not saying anybody knew Raphael or anybody's done this, but it's like spiritual bypassing to the degree where it's like, oh, it's all love and light, we're all one thing, and then that's like that's not that's like talking about the pinnacle of the pyramid. It's like cool, you, that's true, but like you have to get there. Um, it is all one thing ultimately, kind of like you're saying. But at some point, there's dynamics. Like it's talking about the Brotherhood of Darkness later on, or something yeah, like that. And also, it's it is all love and light. You know, it's not that that's wrong. But the thing is, if you want to live that way within this current density, then this is, at least in my view, and especially in these times, only really possible if you have integrated the darkness. And also, as Maru said, kind of, I mean, play both sides doesn't mean you need to act negatively. But I think on last show, Gemini Brad put it nicely in terms of the positive extended quality of a 
Libra potentially is to really be able to empathize and uh, also really understand uh, the Machiavellian mind, for example. And it just seems that some that may be, you know, called the love and light hippies or whatever that just for their own individual development may not be on that level yet. Uh, then of course, uh, it may become unbalanced or it may be something that is sought to be ignored rather than the way I see it, something to be embraced again, deliberately actually, not to recreate it within this density. So if uh, I would want, for example, let's say, quote unquote, yeah, to bind the devil in terms of, you know, overly negative occurrences and so on, then uh, this is only, in my view, only really possible once I've completely understood it in terms of its psychology, its nature, and so on. Otherwise, uh, I mean, I don't even know otherwise how, how you would want to be able to do it unless you really, really on a deep level understand its logic, its purpose, and uh, its methods in a sense, if you want to disarm it. Right. It's tricky. I mean, I've always said that with my nana. It's very tricky stuff um, in the sense that you want to moccasin and, and empathize to a point, but um, I think that is, uh, even in the earlier Star Wars movies, like Anakin decides to become a, a Sith because he knows it has powers, basically, that the Jedi aren't letting him have. And there's probably good reasons, moral reasons, however, you know, lawful reasons as That's to why not, not the empathy do that. I'm talking about. Word, word. Yeah, I'm saying that it's, it takes discernment to know that. So I'm glad you feel you're discerning about that. But yeah, this Tablet 3 was called the key to wisdom. So I think um, some of the language was very even biblical feeling to me where it's like, don't, you know, I mean, it didn't feel totally like old English, but like some of it was, it almost feel like tropes of the Bible or something like were coming up um, or uh, I can't remember any specific instances, but it, it felt very resonant. I, so what you were saying earlier with like this text is kind of a source material in a sense, um, especially if according to lore moses is this egyptian priest and he's made the torah all this stuff i'm gonna guess he understood some of the tenets maybe put forth in any of this wisdom literature kind of stuff was there anything in uh tablet three that we needed to address or keep going um yeah you're right i mean all the biblical stuff comes from here but yeah one of the main statements is that knowledge is regarded by the fool as ignorance Right. And so the things that he finds to be profitable to him are actually hurtful and that he lives in death. So the main point of this one is to release the material that you first have to basically divine the material from the immaterial. So he's, he's alluding to the fact that you are going to be embarking upon creating physical manifestations out of the etheric plane. Right. And one other thing that kind of resonated on this chapter, um, it was talking like you're saying about like the uh, the wise and the fool, the wisdom filled person and the foolish kind of person um, and how they go about how that's kind of ontologically differentiated. And um, something that made me think of like uh, Voldemort as well as like the emperor um, Palpatine and definitely the, um, the rise of Skywalker and stuff. It's like they're worried about manipulating others for their gain. It's like a weird sum in their mind, and it's very kind of involutional. It's very selfish, um, as opposed to maybe like uh, you know for the whole good of all or whatever things like that. Like these kind of universal brotherhood of light kind of energies or whatever. So it, it's an option, but it ends up being kind of this a black hole that you can't ever feed. It seemed, and like you're just going to end up manipulating others around you to continue to try to feed that black hole, which is evidenced, you know 
Palpatine has many, <laughs> um, like Dooku, I think, was a guy, and he's like, go ahead and kill him, I don't care, I'm gonna, I'm, I've used him, and I'll make you my dude, um, and then, okay, cool, Darth was my guy, now you be my apprentice, go kill your dad, like, it, it was just kind of fucked like that, uh, energetically, and it was kind of getting into those dynamics a little, in a little more kind of a literary and um, poetic way than I just did, but Tablet 4 is the Spaceborn, and this is talking about when he died, uh, how he traveled through space and sees, Real like, quick. oh, go for it, go for it. Real quick, just as a final message from Tablet 3, he says that man is a star bound to the body until the end. He is free through his strife. Only by struggle and toiling will the star be free So and bloom into new life. So it's also just a reminder that you go through struggles in your life because you are being initiated and you're being tested. So through those initiations and tests, are you actually free but to never forget that you are literally a star that is created into human form and that's actually something that we've been able to find through the sequencing of the dna and the physical makeup of the body is that we are made of stardust so never forget that right it's kind of um i've been getting into the gene keys lately richard rudd's kind of contribution based off the I Ching and stuff very fascinating read. I do it every morning with my fiance. It's great relational uh, building block for starters. If anybody needs that kind of for their uh, quiet times with their partner, but um, yeah, he's kind of getting into the, like the evolutionary process and how, um, I, like you're saying, it's not happening to us for arbitrary reasons. You know, you don't just have to grit through it for no good reason at all and just like die and say that this was all for naught. It's a furnace where, I mean, in a biblical sense, it's like the chafe is being burned off, right? So it's like we're being fashioned into like a katana, you know, like a sword, uh, CMRI swords or whatever. This took a lot of heat and pressure and process to make. It wasn't just like a wham, bam, here you go, here's a katana. It took like a shit ton of time, mastership, um, you know, effort and concentration and doing the right alchemy and all this kind of stuff. So we're the same thing. We're coming from another plane, it seems, and being interjected into this furnace of creation at this level, this 3D kind of situation, Earth school. and you don't have to think of life as happening to you. It is happening through you for what your alchemical process for your transmutation from, um, you know, I mean, not to sound like weird, but like more crude matter into more refined stuff. It's the refiner's fire, as the Bible might say. Right. Absolutely. So leaving tablet three now, going to tablet four, the spaceborn, it's kind of like talking about, uh, like we had discussed both, dying and traveling through space i don't know i thought he was just astral projection but i guess maybe he was dying um he didn't die okay yeah yeah exactly so i was like it didn't seem like he was dealing with like serious existential problems it was more just like because i've actually done this once and it was weird the process i was it was like a self-initiation it made no sense in high school basically i got on a treadmill would run for a few hours get into a higher trans state hop off get my breathing to low levels and i did that for a few weeks for no fucking reason and then at one point after a few weeks of this, I had a astral projection OBE. Like I've never had this since then. I've had cool dreams and like weird moments, but like nothing like, oh, there's my body. And now I'm tr going into space. I'm going to go travel all this shit. So it's doable for sure. And it seemed like, um, this was kind of a, an anecdote slash how to, uh, process. Um, and basically saying that, uh, you know, uh, there's, we can free ourselves from the bondage of this body in a sense it's kind of gnostic and dualistic in that sense but it's like you're not all you're, you're a soul kind of trapped in a body don't forget that and here's how you escape the the matrix of your body is that kind of the gist yeah absolutely basically he sets his soul free 
And so his soul goes traveling through space where he discovers um, that planets that, you know, and other beings like he's yes. going on a whole trip here. Yes, uh, planets great and gigantic beyond the dreams of men. And basically he's able to watch some of these creator beings do their own thought forms, just form great cities and planets. Which reminds me a little of the um, um, Dr. Manhattan, I think, from uh, that. Right, uh, right. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The guy in space was like, oh, I'm just going to go build stuff. Um, and and I oh, think yeah, I watched him. I was like, it's not uh, Grant Morrison. Who is this? I, I got it. Yeah. So uh, the V for Vendetta and uh, the Watchmen, um, the same guy. I'm spacing on his name now. But um, Alan Moore. Um, and so that kind of building worlds with the mind like he's doing in that film. Um and he's even kind of ironically being like, I'm tired of human life. Like that shit's basic. They're all just running around like kind of being stupid. I want to come up here and do great things. Similar kind of vibes. Also, it reminds me a little of Agra in uh, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance on Netflix, which is dope if you haven't seen it. Um, she was told how to basically travel the stars from the Skeksis. They gave her this like technology kind of mental. She was like the keeper of Thra, but she was off doing her shit for that, like a long time. If you try and or whatever their astrological kind of reality is. And she comes back and that's kind of the story there. But both of those examples show people kind of like leaving the corporeal nature of reality, 3d kind of matrix meat suit stuff to, but you don't lose your sense of self to a degree. You still as a soul travel and it's talking about in the end, like nothing really matters, but the progress of your soul. Absolutely. Yeah, and he reiterates throughout this chapter that it's it's all about freeing yourself from the bondage of the darkness. And so to really know that you are space-born and grow into the light itself and basically become the brilliance of source. And that's what allows your soul to pass onward and leave behind the darkness of night. So that's how you can then travel and let yourself be free. And then go and experience all of the teachings of the higher, you can call them dimensional beings or whatever you want to refer to them as, but they are creator beings and we are creator beings. And that's one of the main things that he's attempting to say in this is that you need to know that so that you can then become it. Some kind of bullet points that are addressed um, with like, you know, what is he trying to teach humans, humanity or whatever, like wisdom is power. Don't be too proud of your wisdom. Right. Discourse, uh, speaking with the ignorant as well as the wise. Don't just be like all haughty and like, oh, I'm an academic and I only talk to A plus students. Fuck the, you know, D class or whatever. Like, don't play that game. That's tripping out. Listening to knowledgeable people as well as wisdom and everything. That's like the whole point. Like you want to you want to kind of integrate information and do it with soul in a sense, not just have factoids um, speaking up in the face of evil. Uh, like you were saying for truth, like the sunlight shines above all. So it's like there's this thing that's. um I mean, in a sense, that's kind of what we were talking about with Gemini Bright yesterday. The sun is like this awareness, this truth that changes during the night and stuff, but it's like, it is a power unto itself. It, it has like a metaphysical property in a sense. Um, even like Bashar and other people are saying where it's like the uh, kind of cosmic consciousness of this little area, like a kind of like a gatekeeper of this domain or something to that effect. Um, yeah. Truth is more illuminating. I'm not a Freemason. I'm not sure of, you know, the whole point of the top of the pyramid with the eyes, like, the gnosis of illumination at that level, but that kind of thing is the top of the pyramid. That's the point. Truth. Um, talking about following your heart and doing what is uh, more than what's demanded of you. It's kind of giving like moral, like 
it's not sitting out like, you know, don't kill, don't covet, or, you know, um, but it's kind of giving some moral frameworks as to how to actually guide your mind, body, and soul through the matrix, in a sense. Um, use your money and your riches, whatever wealth is, in a right way. Sharing your resources with your friends, like it's not just about hoarding like a dragon in um, <laughs> The Hobbit, Smog. It's not just sitting on gold and saying you have the most toys. It's, that's not the point of it. Um, seeking out a spiritual guide is important. Also, it's saying those who are guided don't go astray, but those who are lost cannot find a straight path. So it's like you want, just like in the uh, Star Wars, it's like you don't just figure out the, the force. You have to have a kind of master Padawan relationship um, and to kind of humble ourselves to that idea is a, an important aspect being kind of pushed forward. Don't gossip and don't gossip. You know, silence is better than talking. It's talking constantly about like, you know, words are cool. And it's a double Gemini. I kind of felt like I'm being personally attacked. But it's like uh, talk is great, but like, you know, the wise let their actions speak and they don't say much kind of thing. Um, and the senses are illusions, right? Uh, like they're impressive and they're, they're fab fabulous kind of VR apparatus or whatever in this matrix. But at the same time, it's not the true, true. So turn your thoughts inward and you're going to know more, just like I was saying with my astral projection that felt and DMT trips, even like that feels more real in a sense, because I think we're tapping into spiritual domains that are, not post-physical, but like trans-physical, trans-temporal. Um, and basically knowing that man, that light is your heritage. Know that the darkness is only a veil. It's kind of like um, in the Bible, when Paul talks about we're looking through a glass dimly lit or something, it's like, this isn't what we think it is. Don't get too attached to it in the same way, because like that's part of the test in a sense. Is that kind of what this chapter is getting at? It is, and it goes a little bit further. Um, one of the things that he really says is that space is ordered, and only by order are you able to be one with all. Order and balance are the law of the cosmos, and so if you follow that, you shall become one with all. But basically, he goes on to teach you that in deep silence and through fasting is how you can actually conquer um, not just the bondage of words, but the bondage of hunger and therefore then the bondage of the soul. And so he actually teaches you how to then go and meet him. And he gives you the process of that, which starts by lying in the darkness and closing your eyes and basically centering your soul force and um, to take you into the place of your consciousness. And basically from there, you can shake free from the bondage of night and goes further into the process of placing your mind on an image of what you desire and picture the place and vibrate back and forth with your soul's power to loosen your soul out of the night and fiercely must you shake with this power until at last your soul becomes free and that basically <clears throat> the flame of the cosmos uh, are what's hanging in the plains unknown to man. So mighty and balanced, moving in order, music of harmonies far beyond men. So this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, is that if we bypass what we understand about the laws of physics and what we understand about what Thoth is teaching us and kind of go on our own path, we're not going to be able to do these sort of things that he's speaking of to basically go into the flame itself, because he's saying that you can astral project to the halls of the mentid. 
and you can meet with these powerful beings and you can also travel the cosmos. So it just kind of depends on if you're willing to sacrifice, if you're willing to go through the path of the initiate, if you're willing to uh, admit that you don't know anything and admit or submit to becoming a student of the Grand Master Teacher. So what I think the takeaway though is at some level, um, it's like a Virgo slash Libra wet dream. It's like order and balance. That's everything all the way up. Like just kind of deal Absolutely. with it. <laughs> and in some way, it was yeah, what kind else of could it be? Yeah, the Libra speaks. Um, it's, yeah, it's like this, like once again, the force, like all the way up is like this balanced harmonium of kind of math. It's not just math in a, you know, raw material sense, but it's like, it's a beautiful equation kind of, of spiritual tech. I don't even know how to describe reality sometimes. And there's levels of it, obviously, but um, it seems like there's, you know, um, we were talking about it yesterday with Brett, uh, Joseph, that like um, there's human law and there's divine law. And sometimes it's like a Vesca Pisces. Sometimes they overlap and we do a good job that like, but sometimes like, you know, running red lights <laughs> isn't the same thing as like, you know, gravitational belts or whatever. So it's like it, it we're trying our best, but like obviously we're kind of lisping through it down here in the 3D, it seems somewhat. Um, is there anything about four we should cover, or is that good? That's good. Right on. So the next one is called The Dweller of Unal. Um, this is kind of – this got really surreal to me, and I didn't know if it was talking about um, – I mean, it, I felt like there was stuff to read between the lines, even in the way they announced the numbers of these rulerships. Um, it didn't go like one, two, three. It was like the three and then the four. And then, like it just felt like there was more code to it than I was grokking. But I could tell that it seemed somewhat intentional. But bottom line, um, the keeper of the way, the master of Anal, um, basically is this guy who is um, dwelling in the temple that isn't built by human hands kind of thing, right? So um, I think his name is Horlet. Is that right? Horlet. Hor okay. Hor cool. Yeah. I'm horrible at remembering this stuff. I'm trying to remember now as much as I can. So, um, but basically they showing a path of how to attain things. He's divine. It's talking about how Atlantis was kind of divided into 10 kingdoms. Um, and basically that was ruled by men and that in another temple that was built from his thoughts. Uh, and it was huge and it basically housed the essence of light at its heart. This like flame that we're talking about that, um, I guess uh, Thoth could like kind of enter into and deal with once he was kind of initiated from being a human quote unquote. Um, but then it's, he's talking about it's filling this chambers with this ether and um, from the ether kind of these three messengers kind of form. Um, and basically Thoth gets summoned to this temple by one of these three messengers. And that's where he kind of trains like a Jedi, I'm guessing. And that's, is this kind of like a flashback essentially, right? To like his training of becoming as awesome as he became. Right. Yeah. He's speaking of um, exactly what you said, this temple with the master of the and that this king has never been, uh, basically he was never born, which is really interesting. Um, and also that the temple is black, but yet not black. It's like space time. So it is also saying it's, it's almost like a dimension outside of this dimension in a sense. And, um, yeah, the three, the three main kings that sit in the halls. And so, yes, he is summoned here and he does go to speak with the dweller. 
and this is kind of talking about once again recapitulating like you know Atlanta's kind of fell <laughs> um, because they're proud of their knowledge and some people entered this hall probably basically you know do not enter unless you are initiated and I guess at some level they hacked it or something to that effect um, we're trying to get more and more knowledge and all these islands and stuff were destroyed except Unal and the part of where the sons of the dwellers and the teacher uh, lived and that's basically the gateway to Amenti and it's destroyed right like the, like I guess the the way the you know like kind of like Venice has this bridge that gets from the mainland um, which I've been to and walked across uh, because my hostel was on the mainland of Italy and I had to walk all the way to Venice and back. Interesting. It's not that short of a walk, folks. Don't do it. This is why I take the bus. But um, still a good memory. But um, yeah, this kind of pathway to Amenti is destroyed. And it's basically getting um, into those. It's being instructed to take these sons of Atlantis to Egypt at this point. This is kind of recapitulating the escape route story. Um, and the spaceship being beneath, uh, buried beneath the Sphinx, which is kind of fascinating stuff. Um so that's kind of the gist, I think, of that chapter. Um, am I right? Yeah, it is. And this is also where basically they ask Thoth what he wants to do. And so he tells them that he wants to descend among men and give them his wisdom. And he wants to be a mighty teacher. And that through that light, may he be free to do so. And so basically, age after age, that he would live here and basically through his knowledge, he would, um, you know, basically put us in a state where we would not be in the same situation as Atlantis. That was his goal for us here is that where Atlantis went wrong, abused the power, abused the knowledge and descended into the darkness, we shall overcome that. So that's his main goal. And my biggest question is, is Thoth awake right now? Or is he just working through each of us as he still regenerates? That's my biggest question. That's a mindfuck. Well, I, um, I was gonna my say, guess like, would be, of course, he's going to be sleeping now and definitely working through any of those, you know, the band of the elect philosophers of the ages, however you would want to put it. I mean, I guess if I were him in that sense, I'd be like, well, you know, I gave you everything you need and I'm going to chill <laughs> until, you know, the bed is made in a sense. And what's just really kind of eerie and where I'm almost, it's interesting, you know, especially when we get into like different uh, religious, one would say religious aspects or ideas or the whole question of how humanity should develop. It's just quite eerie or something uh, to me or interesting that we have basically the same warning slash recommendation coming from the past in this example now emerald tablets of thoth and uh, atlantis in terms of what to do what not to do there's lots of information on this dark journalist has huge series on what happened back then and at the same time we have basically the same warning coming from the future through the grays whereas in both cases it's about not truly understanding who and what you are believing you need to uh, deny your emotions, start divide and conquer games, and uh, especially the attempt to have power over others. And then just for me, if I look at these very strong examples and I look at the current time, then at least to me, it's pretty obvious in a sense what quote-unquote has to be done in line of those teachings. What do you think about that? Because to me, it seems pretty blatantly obvious. <laughs> 
it's blatantly obvious. Yeah, they literally say that, you know, you are free to take this knowledge, to take the records, to take everything and to teach men and basically to give and or take the knowledge away. And also it talks about how uh, he buries the spaceship. This is where that's really talked about and how over the spaceship erect a marker in the form of a lion, yet like onto man. And there beneath that image Great. rest his spaceship forth to be brought when needed shall rise. And basically he's saying that all of the keys to awaken men um, in large masses to give them wisdom, it all lies within the ship. And basically he's saying that there is, um, what I gather from this is that there's seven main, main individuals on the planet who at the right time will basically be brought together with their to powers go, combined yeah to go into the halls of amente and to get the ship and basically their wisdom will be the keys and all of the powers that are needed to defeat the darkness are going to be available on that ship it's funny that you say that i was out in boise idaho at one point with the um the syncbook.com had a sync group summit or something and a few people were out there and we were talking about kind of how consciousness this is a weird kind of aside but kind of what you're saying in a way um where it's like maybe there's only a few kind of people at the apex of consciousness at any one point and everybody else is kind of in their dream in some weird way um and we were kind of talking about penrose tiling and weird shit but kind of what you're saying where it's like maybe there's a few initiates who like you know almost like um almost like the elves in Lord of the Rings. It's like, okay, Galadriel, you chill here, wait for the hobbits to come through and they're going to have a mission. You got the, you know, there's people with different degrees of initiation for the project. And at some point you're kind of saying that maybe um, a few of them get together and kind of reassemble the crew in a <laughs> metaphysical way and kind of get that ship up and running. And the effects of that would be kind of uh, impactful on reality overall. Literally. Yeah. So if you understand this passage, um, truly then he's leaving you the exact location and he says that you have to seek it through his pyramid deep in the passage that will end in a wall and basically if you use these keys of the seven that that will open the pathway and it will fall and so he's giving you his wisdom he's giving you the way and that to follow the pathway and solve his secrets basically uh, he's spoken a lot of riddles and a lot of um coded ways right so if this is written in entrainment and it's for uh, a specific soul vibration you're going to actually download that information almost like um it, it's like uh you know i work with ayahuasca a lot like extensively and uh in my most recent experience like last week uh, i met thoth or excuse me, Set and Osiris, as well as Enlil, which is one of the ancient Anunnaki gods. And they downloaded the ability to time travel. And I can't tell you, I must have learned a good 30 times. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't handle the information. It was the first time I understood the whole concept about like, if you really look upon the face of God, you would melt. Um, because as this downloaded in me, my body couldn't even handle it. It was so freaking powerful and so deep and so overwhelming that it was just like, I've never purged that much in my life. And I've sat over 70 plus times. So it was beyond powerful. So it, it's something, it's like you really have to clear space and you really have to go through 
the purging of all of the things that have trapped you here. And the way that they were teaching me how to time travel was to actually go back into past traumas and to rewrite the past to where it never actually happened. And so uh, I do have ceremony this weekend, tomorrow, and the next day. So hopefully I can pick up where I left off. It's like, you know, if you've ever worked with Aya, you, you never know what you're going to get. But uh, I would like to continue with some of that because that was some really powerful information. But that's kind of how I see this working out is that you, you go into almost like a transcendental state where it's like in Doctor Strange when the Ancient One pushes him out of his body and he goes flying down some wormholes and things like that. And you're, you're really just like seeing the codes and those codes then get transformed into the knowledge. And then you got to be ready to assemble your team or, you know, it may be something where everybody kind of gets this download at the same time and then they meet at the same place. Maybe they all find each other way at the passage, passageway, um, that leads to the wall that, that ends. And there's some sort of uh, puzzle or, you know, Tomb Raider sort of stuff that you have to, each person has a piece of it because, it, you know, we see in this, in this particular space time that everything is compartmentalized and, it may be a part of that. So the interesting, the interesting component of it is, is each person who is capable of this willing to meet their destiny. And each fate lies in the hands of the next fate. Right? Most definitely. Sounds like Team Rabbit will have to make a fucking field trip to Egypt. We've had some people on who were, um, this chick who is on, I forget her name right now, because of the M, I think. Um, Marta, maybe, or Maria, or something like that. Raphael, remind me if I'm... Maria, yeah, there you go. Uh, she had actually gone to the Great Pyramid with, like, uh, Nassim Harriman and some people and gotten this weird initiation inside the King's Chamber tomb thing. And then apparently some explosion thing happened and some local was like, yo, I've been waiting for you people. Here's, like, a piece of the pyramid or just weird, surreal stuff. Like, it sounded like... Kind of like what you're talking about, where it's like, oh, once you get certain energies and people involved, like magic starts happening which is the title of the tablet six um at this point i'm not as familiar because i was like i said i've kind of passed out and woke up at the end i was like oh crap this is my favorite tablet all right so i'll probably let you do more of the talking but this is um the one thing i do remember is this introduces the brotherhood of darkness right in the sense that kind of like i don't know how uh, uh, there's a few levels to it but um go ahead it's called the key of magic spit what you got so this tablet basically lets us know that there has been warfare between the darkness and the light, and it has been going on forever, is literally what it's saying. It's age old in this warfare. The eternal struggle between darkness and light has fiercely been fought throughout all the ages, using strange powers that are hidden to men. And this is where it gets important to know, because he says that adapts have been filled with blackness struggling always against the light but there's others who are filled with brightness and who are here to conquer the darkness of night so that's where it becomes important to really understand this this battle between dark and light duality right that there are adapts who specifically and intentionally work with this energy and fight against the other side so basically saying that they are masters of darkness and that from their darkness they seek to control all and that there are things that we need to understand about this brotherhood of darkness that 
has been alive throughout all of the ages and that they walk here secretly hidden and that basically man is ignorant to them. And so these are the secrets to basically being released of being enslaved because that's their purpose. The brotherhood of the darkness is to enslave us and to bind us to the earth. So, you know, um, it's kind of one of those things, like I said, it's still for some people up to debate, but it's one of those things that's just better to educate yourself on so that you don't uh, fall victim to ignorance, like he's saying. And so there is a very specific and powerful um, prayer that he gives you here because he's saying, realize that you're, you, you may be trapped in some way, shape, or form by darkness that you don't understand and that you need to conquer your fears. Step one is conquering your fear and that's fear of everything. Um, interesting enough, like the show Vikings, right? It does a really good description. I mean, it's super brutal and all that other stuff, but um, because of the way that they are trained, that they're going to, when they leave this life, they're going to go to the halls of Valhalla and sit with the gods, you know, Odin and Thor and Freya and Frey, and basically drink ale and be gifted with gold and stuff like that. But they have There's to There's a positive go. motivator for achieving good battle death. Exactly, right? And so you can only get there if you have an honorable battle death. And so they have zero fear. So when they go to conquer other lands like England, their whole statement, like the English people are like, these people fight like demons. Like they have no fear of death. Like what the, you know, like how are we going to ever fight against them? And so it, it's, it's a different semblance of saying that you need to conquer your fear, whatever that is, because your fear is your trap and that that fear is actually being basically implanted to you through the brotherhood of night, which is not, they're, they're physical, but they're also multidimensional. So it, they don't have to be in physical form to affect you. And so he's saying that basically there's this powerful prayer that you can use to release yourself of this. And if you ever feel like you're under attack, that basically you need to call out to the spirit of light through the space time and that to use these words and you shall be free. So he asked to fill my body with the spirit of light, fill, fill my body with the spirit of light and to come from the flower that shines in the darkness, come from the halls where the seven lords rule. And you have to name them by name. I, the seven, three, four and six. Or excuse me, it's um, I the seven, yeah, three, four, five, and six, seven, eight, nine. So that's what you're kind of talking about, about the interesting play on the numbers. And that by their names, I call them to aid me and free me and save me from the darkness of night. Their names are Untanas, Kwatal, Shatal, and Guayana, Hurtal, Sanvete, and Ardal. By their names, I employ thee, free me from the darkness and fill me with light. And that once you've done this, you, you have to know and you have to believe that these uh, binds of bondage of darkness has been cast off of you. And that also, you know, thou, O man, aren't thy thy brother's helper? Let him not lie in the bondage of night. So he's also saying that if you know somebody who is under attack and are going through a very difficult time, that this is something that you need to do on their behalf to set them free. 
So he's saying, don't just hoard this knowledge and don't just hoard this prayer, but to also use it to empower um, those around you who may be under the influence of the Dark Brotherhood. Kind of reminds me of Lucy's cordial from Narnia. It's like, yes, it resuscitates you, but use it on others. Don't just drink this and like, you know, stay young or whatever. Um, there's some part in it, and then if I skip anything you wanted to talk about more, I know that you got to run in a little bit, so I want to kind of push through. Maybe it makes sense to do a two-part episode. I'm not sure I'm kind of saying this out loud for the first time. I don't know if that resonates with you or not. It's up to you all, but I know she's got about a half an hour or less left to talk. Um, but it's talking at some point in this point. Um, it's like now there's like kind of a life hack for the masters. You know, how, this is how you really f- deal with the uh, Brothers of Night. The saying it's like you know when this kind of feeling comes on to you and you're getting nearer to the darker gate um, and you're finding that feeling kind of overwhelming you um, basically your thoughts are becoming kind of heavy and stuff you banish them from the place of the mind send through the body the wave of I I'll just say this send through thy body a wave of vibration a regular first and regular second repeating time after time until free start the wave force in thy brain center direct it in waves from thine head to the foot so, I mean, it's even kind of giving you a schematic on, like, how to raise your vibes and banish it, like, in, in terms of a, um, a vibratory, vibrational kind of frequency hurts maybe element involved, too. Absolutely. And these are the codes that need to unlock through your understanding purpose or process. So question to the group should we keep pushing through and maybe do like quicker versions or do you want to cut it here and then start up with the second half of the book or what would you prefer i think we could probably get through two more tablets word word word. all right so the seven lords that's the next one it's i think i don't know if we've kind of summed that up or if it's a chapter that you want to discuss at this point i don't have much to say i can't wing it um because i just don't remember as well as the other ones so feel free to kind of the conscious yours like tell us what we need to know <laughs> absolutely yeah he's definitely going into the seven lords and basically letting you know that there's now a brotherhood of brightness so in the last one we learned about the brotherhood of darkness now we're learning about the light and one of the most important parts of this tablet is that he reminds you time after time to keep your face always to the light to never basically bow your head in the darkness and no matter what happens. Um, and he also talks about how uh, you, I mean, have an infinite brain is what he's saying and that there's infinite knowledge that exists within this infinite brain. So you're, you're kind of tapping into the wisdom and to the consciousness of the one creator. Because he's letting you know that in all space, there is only one wisdom. So to tap into this one wisdom is to tap into light. And basically to come into what has been created as far as order, law, and the rules of the space, which are basically infinite. And so these are how the great cycles move according to this tablet through the space-time and that it shall pass and it shall change. But always through this process is the voice of wisdom and that that's the process that grows. So he's talking about how he's in the halls of Amente again, he's before the lords of the cycles and that each of them hold a specific aspect of power and that their wisdom becomes unveiled as you grow in your presence and your spirit becomes more free 
to enter the conclave at will. So basically he's letting you know that he's going down through this dark passage into the halls where the light ever glows. So um, kind of like through that darkness of our experiences, which we learned in the last tablets, we find the ability to follow the light once again and to continue to time after time find our place of listening to the words that only come with no sound. So he's talking in an, in an essence about meditation and going inside to the power of silence once again and to grow this knowledge. And I mean, he's very repetitive in a lot of, a lot of things because again, this is written in entrainment. And so you're being programmed and do this programming is, is basically where you grasp all these concepts that are essentially far beyond man's concepts and they extend into infinity of the great all. So we're, we're moving past ourselves. We're moving past what we think we know and we're moving past um, death. So basically he's letting us know again that from eons to, to eons he's existed and knowing not life and tasting not death. So that's an interesting kind of concept that he talks about. It is almost um, kind of like life is a dream, right? Because if it's not life and it's not death, what is it? But ultimately it comes back to the one and how he manifests through, like he is here and he can manifest in this cycle, which is our cycle. And that basically he also says, but yet I am, I am there in your future of time. Yet to me, time exists not. For in my world, time exists not. For formless are we, life have we. Not but yet have existence fuller and greater and freer than we. So it's really fascinating to go into the timelessness aspect of it because he is talking about time travel in a way that where he's writing this 36,000 years ago, he's also present with us in this time. So this is, these are always the things that lead me to the questions of, okay, so where is he at this moment, right? Because he's saying he's here, but yet he's not here. And he also lets us know that life is not death and that you can master it. And so you have to find the path through the barriers that you have to be able to travel the road that leads to light. And that basically through these names of the great powerful beings is a lot of the encoding. And I can't remember if it's in this tablet or not, or if it was in the last one. I think it's between the last one and this one, but he basically says that there is um a word and, and he doesn't say what word it is, but he, he mentions that if you say this word and you're around a, a shapeshifter, a reptilian or they have to like show themselves or something. They have to show themselves. Yeah. It automatically decloaks them. Many people search for this word and nobody knows what it actually is, which is highly unfortunate. That's one of my main missions in life is like, what is this word? I'll put it over our, like every network and just like unveil everybody. That would um, be pretty ratchet. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden shit just starts melting and being weird because it's like, oh my gosh, we didn't realize how cloaked everything was. Yeah, that is my purpose. But um, <laughs> basically, you Godspeed. Know, um, exactly. He just 
ends it with a warning that you can never turn away from the brightness, that you cannot turn to the dark brothers, that you always have to be filled with light. And to realize that, so it, it's one of those things that he makes very clear that when you're in a state of chaos, when you're not in order, you are basically under the influence of the dark brotherhood and that you're you're not accomplishing anything. So it really gives you a nice set of laws to live by. Because, I mean, it is light and love that he is saying that you must be in and that it's the humble version of it, right? Like the distortions but, are the issue. Exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, that pretty much sums up that tablet. So two kind of questions. Maybe we could talk for a minute. I'm going to pull an audible here and be like, we should just get this here at the seven and there's seven more and we'll get you on the next couple of weeks and do a part two and we'll all have focused on them and we can actually succinctly get into them. Cause that's where it starts getting into like above and below as above. So below and time and big shit that like, I think a lot of people could grok quite a bit out of and I don't want to great like glaze, you know, go over that too quickly. Cause I think there's a lot of meat there to digest. That was some of my favorite parts of the book. Actually towards the end, I felt like fucking, I don't know. It's like when you're watching star Wars return of the Jedi, it's the, you know, like the Ewoks did it. Oh my gosh, we're winning. It's like, it feels really cool. So, um, two kind of questions then maybe we could talk for a second and then let you dip. Cause, uh, uh, and also good luck with your ayahuasca sojourn tomorrow. I do hope your intentions kind of get met with the, uh, furtherance of your, journey however difficult the purging was i haven't done ayahuasca rafael's done it four times um i think we discussed this before i'd like to do it with you but time and place dependent um so the seven lawrence does that at all resonate at levels beyond like when i was reading i was like is this talking about our chakras even though i know there's more than seven chakras like i didn't understand if it was like this kind of like anthropomorphized version of those if this is almost like a tree of intercell dimensionalities um how do you kind of break that down in your own mind well, I mean, we do have the seven chakra system, but he's being very literal that these are seven beings and that these like are... Like Iron Man, Hulk, all this is like those Right, are, yeah, the yeah. Avengers. <laughs> it's, it's definitely the Avengers of of the infinite all, right? I mean, but seven is is obviously a very, um, a, like, a and Yeah, yeah it's, it's found in all sorts of different... Um, Musical notes. Yeah, exactly. So, I, so week, I et cetera. I'll shut up now. Sorry. Right. Well, and he talks about that, right? That through sound and through vibration is, is the freeing of all of this. And that's why those particular names are encoded with that frequency. So that's why they're so powerful to call. Um, one of the things I should also mention about that is that he says, don't do it unless you are in dire straits. Like it, it's, it's, it's the Batman signal. It's not just a fucking Bic lighter. Yeah, and you know, I, I do this because whenever I need it, I do this. And I'm not kidding. Whenever you do it, you, they show up and they show up like no joke. Um, and they are all cloaked in black cloaks and you can't see their faces and they, they multiply. They just kind of like spread out in huge numbers. So I think that it goes beyond the seven, as he says, like the seven into the infinite and if you if you know right if you know i definitely implore you to do this for yourself but do it with mindfulness and yeah i think it goes beyond the chakras and i think it goes beyond metaphor and i think that this is one of the things he's speaking very literally about that's fascinating that um you've experienced it like that and it's a it's 
it's ominous, but not in like a horrifying way. It's like they're supposed to be the good guys, so I guess call upon them when you need to. But this is very much like, uh, yeah, like calling upon the Avengers. You don't just do that to get like you know parallel right, park. They gotta or something. take time out of their schedule and they show up. Like that's it. It's like yeah, don't bother me unless you're serious because if I have to come for a false alarm, I'm gonna be pretty pissed. Right. So, and the one thing you kind of said a second ago about like always kind of face the light, it reminded me of that meme that was going around maybe a year or so ago with the the moth, where it's like, do you have a lamp, brother? It's like, where's the light? Like, we've got to like kind of always face the light. Um, I guess it's a choice to turn away from it, but I think we're always being magnetized, uh, which is kind of saying in later uh, tablet chapters, um, the ever, you know, spiral golden upward going, th- it's like a process going forward. So even people that are not facing the light are still entrapped i guess you could say in the quantum conveyor belt of movement towards ascension for all like it seems like that's i mean spoiler that's where this is kind of going it's like yeah be a light on the way and like all this kind of stuff we're going towards that you know light and it kind of reminds me of gandalf when he's talking to the balrog he's like i'm a keeper of the flame of anor and all this kind of stuff gets into this own mythology and stuff for tolkien's world but um this whole flame the light like these are there's a brotherhood that tends his fame and, and takes it fucking seriously. And there's people that I guess don't as much and that's their karma because Raphael and I've discussed this before. Where it's like if people know that they're being, um, cause I think of Manly P Hall's, uh, he's got one thing called like the Kabbalistic initiation of man or something like that. And it's basically talking to some degree about, um, you know, Oh, Hey, I died. There's Satan and you snake. How do you be this adversary? Uh, and like, stumbling block in my life and then it comes like and all this is an angel and it's like i was your adversary but i was kind of making you evolve i'm a force for like your evolution like a contrary force to push up against essentially like i'm the you know the step you hit your foot on to lift your leg so maybe and Raphael kind of discussed like and that's a big karmic pill to swallow if you decide to beat that force i guess um like because we were kind of talking about bill gates and all this stuff i'm like on the one hand it could be that like this whole situation is such that it's like oh it's orwellian and they want to microchip you fuck them they're like assholes and they have no good plots like it's like senator palpatine and the empire and stuff on the other hand it could be that like they're caught they're throwing like firecrackers in our face enough to make us swerve to go to a different place but that's i mean i'm not saying that's true or false i'm just like that's an interesting thought experiment i don't know how i feel about it ultimately obviously but um i kind of digress uh rafael you've been kind of quiet what are your thoughts on what we've been talking about maybe we'll wrap it up around here and uh let her get on her merry way um but thus far what are your kind of takeaways and anything that you might want to briefly kind of mention well i think it's a good idea we give more space uh, for a second episode Explaining I learned my lesson with Hamilton. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh act two, shit. <laughs> yeah, we rushed through that. Good. Um, well, all I can think of also, because Nero, you asked, where is Thoth now? I think it even states somewhere within the tablets that, you know, the spirit of Thoth is uh, always with us. And of course, here it gets interesting because it very much relates. I'm thinking of Brandon talking about Krishna and so on. So, what is certain and what is also very well described here is there is some type of a light force, which is uh, the natural energy, let's say, out of which everything is created, love and unity in a sense. Uh, and uh, then there are all of these distortions. And um, in terms of the perspective... So I'm looking for my yes. husband 
I'm not looking for his light in other people. Does that make sense? <laughs> That's the human aspect of me, because absolutely, you're correct. He is out there in the bodies of those who are working with his teachings. But like I said, Thoth is my man. So, so like the I spirit like of Thoth first, like that. the dude himself, you're saying? <laughs> yeah, the dude himself. I would uh, like to continue on with that path. So Thoth. Shout out, the harmony style. DM yeah. please. <laughs> I think we'll get there. Ever the Sorry positive. to interrupt. Keep going. Oh, no, that's great. I love the interruption. I think it's a good clarifier. I mean, there's different ways of interpreting this, but it's like like a Christian might expect Christ to return versus like the Spirit of God is always with you. It's like there's a big difference, right? So oh, um, the thing is just if individuals are on an appropriate frequency level, whether we then, you know, uh, say it's Jesus or Thoth or whatever, or Buddha or any of those, then we are all very much capable, just as Meru explained uh, how it can happen. It's not really possession, but if you're very disorderly and so on, that it may appear as if you're quote-unquote possessed by the chaotic forces of the negative, let's say. In the very same sense, of yeah. course, if you're properly ordered within yourself and polarized. And anyhow, I mean, I can just assume kind of that for most humans right now, it can be diffi pretty difficult to display, let's say, the entire absolute of thought in one incarnation. I don't know, though, but I can certainly imagine uh, more and more of that light in that sense, shining through each and every one. And that, you know, in a physicalized sense, you may well meet thought, you know, the man himself, let's say, however, also likely encounter more and more individuals that are just, you know, so closely aligned to that frequency and so clear within themselves that the uh, let's say the experience may almost be interchangeable in the most positive sense. I agree. So, so, I mean, and last thought on this kind of thing, um, would you ex be expecting an Ibis? I was in Australia. I saw a lot of Ibises, Ibises, however you pronounce this, Ibis, I think. Um, would you be expecting that kind of formation? Or are you looking for something more humanoid? <laughs> or how would that in your mind? If you're shouting out, you got to be careful what you wish for, right? It's kind of where I'm right. thinking it. Yeah, no, I've, I've had many experiences with Thoth, and he is very much a human form. Um, but the Ibis is his symbol, right? So, and also we're talking about multidimensional beings. Word. Who can kind of show I'm up right. in the form that suits you, right? Makes sense. So that is the official uh, get at me signal uh if you're listening we're putting it on whether they hear this auditorial or not like the energy's been put out there so hopefully that works for you maybe that gets addressed in your ceremony tomorrow um it reminded me a little of eric andre's show where it's like bird up it's like all right someone's out there bird up what up bird is the word it seems so thanks again maru for coming on um i know that was very illuminating to me and we'll continue to do this at some other point i'll reach out and figure that out i know you're busy so i don't want to uh cause too much consternation in your schedule but it would be nice to kind of wrap it up well um and i guess any parting thoughts uh i would love to come back and finish it and as well at some point in the future it'd be great to do an ayahuasca conversation oh yeah i'll Always be the noob on the I'll, I'll be like not speaking of from experience so i'll just be a lot more quiet probably but uh yeah we can get maybe a round table about um ayahuasca in particular plant medicine something like that uh we can organize that for sure obviously i don't know why we haven't done that um so everybody check out maru's uh output on soul uh t tell us all the links like sun soul 
Sun Soul Astrology on YouTube and also sunsoul.tv. And also just as an FYI, Sun Soul came through reading the tablets. So the tablets named Sun Soul. And uh, yeah, um, that's where you can find me, Sun Soul Astrology on Instagram and also Facebook. And that's it. That's what's up. Uh, the more you know. Da, 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 da. So I wouldn't have guessed that's where the title came from. It definitely has altered alchemically your life. And I am uh, I would say it's done the same for me, how little I've checked it out every time I've scoped it. Upgrades, hashtag upgrades happen. So thanks again for coming on. Guys, find the others. There's people out there vibing on a, a wave that you want to get on. And don't be afraid to kind of search out and have conversations. Um, we're all in this together and we're trying to go towards that light. Be a light on the way. Join. Thank you, Meru. Thank you, Jim. Join the band of the elect. Join the philosophers of the ages. Check out the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. And uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy yourselves. To be continued. Radio Pocket.